welcome to episode 53. This week on the show, Tron Light Cycle Power Run dates revealed, a new Magic Kingdom attraction cancelled or delayed, everyone's heads are falling off, news at the Wonders of Life Pavilion, an incredible summer coming to Walt Disney World, Animal Kingdom 20th Anniversary News, Club 33 News, Hollywood Studios Park Name Confirmed, minivan news, and also an amazing interview with master Disney artist Kevin John live at the Festival of the Arts at Epcot. Stay tuned. Gabe from the Theme Park Duo Podcast. And when we need a little magic in our day, we listen to Rich and the One, One Little, little Spark, Spark Podcast. Broadcasting from the Dreamport. <laughs> One Little Spark Podcast. Hey, Mom! Mom! What is it, Tommy? Look, Mom, I'm flying! Why don't you try it? I don't know what I'm going to do with you. Don't <laughs> let go of Napoleon. We don't want to lose him. <laughs> just float away then your father will get you as soon as he manages to get your shoe welcome to the show everyone rich here and i'm joined by my co-host joey hey rich if you're just joining the show for the first time make sure you hit that subscribe button on your podcast catcher app like itunes google play and soundcloud and also don't forget to head over to itunes and give us a five-star review it helps so much, and we would appreciate it. Also, head over to social media and make sure you join and follow the show on Facebook by searching for One Little Spark Podcast, the page, and join the podcast group as well to interact with us and catch all of the latest meetup and event news. Follow us on Instagram at Rich Stork or at The Disney Hack or on Twitter at OLS underscore podcast. You can also read all about the show and read show notes, see photos, and other blogs at onelittlesparkpodcast.com. We have a massive influx of new listeners, and it's very humbling to know that you guys all enjoy the show and are excited about it each time we release new episodes. I know I got a couple tweets on Twitter that were saying how much it's a great fit for Joey to join the show. We always have great conversations. I know people have been listening a long, long, long time, and they messaged me personally saying just how happy they are and excited they are for upcoming shows that we have. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, I want to say thanks to Holly and to Dave and a bunch of the folks that, that reached out and said you know that they were glad that I was on the show and back hearing my voice. It means a lot, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's awesome. So, again, thank you for joining me. Now, do you have an upcoming trip to Walt Disney World and need advice, tips, tricks, or secrets on how to make your trip a little bit easier or better? Well, message either myself or Joey on our group page in a comment with your comments, questions, or concerns about anything, and we will let you in on our secrets. Now, speaking of hidden things, we do have a podcast meetup that is in conjunction with the Epic Disney Escape group led by Kelly and Christina, my friends that are awesome. And this event will be on February 25th at 3 p.m. And it'll last about three or four hours. Nothing crazy, not an all-day event like my amazing events I've led before. So (laughs) what this will be is basically an all-out scavenger hunt on steroids there's going to be prizes there's going to be buttons possibly t-shirts i'm still deciding on that or not 
and the prize packs are awesome we have stuff that's like one-off things that were from disneyland walt disney world park maps event buttons we also have a gift card from disney and we have some other things like pins and it's going to be awesome so there's there's about 80 people signed up already i believe and we've only been promoting this about two weeks now or so two or three weeks so it's pretty popular so that's great exposure for the show great exposure for their group and a lot of fun that will be had and as well as meeting a lot of new friends every single event i've gone to and led i've met so many new friends so that's awesome so make sure you go to facebook and sign up for that and also if you aren't on facebook i know there's a lot of people like only on instagram and twitter which is weird but anyway <laughs> message me at one little spark podcast at gmail.com and let me know your name how many people are going to be in your group and your team name and then we'll see you at the event all right so how was your last two weeks joey they've been pretty good i took a trip two weeks ago out to salt lake city beautiful salt lake city uh, I wish it had been Central Florida, but uh, that didn't work out in my plans. Uh, it was a business trip and had a great time visiting with some clients and uh, just reconnecting with them. It's been about two years since I'd been out to see them. And last week, actually, I went to the dermatologist and it was really interesting. I'm sitting there and he's checking out moles and he's like, so got anything exciting going on in your life? And I'm like, no, no, not really. And I'm, I, I just turned it on him because it's a natural thing I do. I was like, how about you, Doc? You got anything exciting? He says, yeah, we're planning a trip to Walt Disney World in March. I said, oh, oh nice. really? So I, we started talking about the podcast, and uh, turns out he goes about once a year with his family, and he knows quite a bit about it, but there was a lot of things he had questions about I was able to answer for him, and uh, I don't know if he's listening, but um, yeah, it was kind of fun to, to find those you know one-off little serendipitous moments to talk to people about the things you love, like going to Walt Disney World. It is kind of crazy to meet people out and about that love Disney or go there often or have a trip and, you know, they really enjoy it that you would never think so either. I had a friend come to my one of my events that I haven't seen in like eight or nine years and all of a sudden she just kind of shows up and I'm like, I haven't seen you in forever. You're just randomly here. This is awesome. So, and she's like, yeah, I listen to your show. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Like, it's just kind of crazy to know that. And I think we heard Kurt Stone tell a story once that basically he was just chit-chatting with someone at work and they're like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I love Disney. I go there. I'm a DVC or something. And he's like, what? Like, so mm -hmm. I have a show. And then it just became a thing from there. And that's pretty cool that, you know, we meet people like that all the time. So I have been insanely busy with the Magic Ear Theater Show that we're producing. I have multiple scripts now complete, which is so exciting. I also have a an actor who messaged me, and I don't want to reveal it yet, but this <laughs> guy, to me, is a celebrity, and he's been a, on a couple of documentaries and a couple movies, and I don't really want to give it away. <laughs> so This is kind of a big deal. So It is a big deal, especially uh, for this show and that show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the big reveal because I think some people that really know their stuff about Disney, the, the, not, I wouldn't say the obscure history of Disney, but the really minutia-type detailed stuff are really going to love finding out who this person is. Absolutely. There's so many people who are like, no way, that love <laughs> our show. And they love the idea of the new show, and they're so excited to hear it. And when they hear this actor's voice, they will be blown away. Especially, I'm still blown away. I got that email, and I'm reading through, reading through. Wait, who is this? And I read it on the bottom. It has a guy's name, 
phone number, Skype, email. I'm like, no way, this got it. This has to be a prank. Sure enough, it's <laughs> not. It's the actual person. So I'm excited, and I know that you guys are excited. We are working hard. Don't worry. It's going to be a little bit of time, but the only real reason is because I am requiring a high standard for this with all of my actors and writers, and we're reviewing everything and double-checking and throwing ideas out there. Uh, there's a quick story real quick before we get to the news, but back in the 90s, they call it the Disney Renaissance, where we had all those mega amazing movies like Aladdin and Lion King and... You know, we had Pocahontas and all those movies all the way up till about 1999. And the reason why they were so amazing, and this is a story I heard, was a lot of those writers and animators and creators of those films would all get together at this bar at Disneyland. And they would all toss ideas back and forth. And what do you think whenever you have a bunch of great minds all in the same place? Like, hey, you know, what would be better here in this scene would be... If you had this character do that, and then you, you bring out the best ideas. And, and that's kind of what we do with this new show is, hey, what do you think this character should say here or do here that would bring out a little bit of humor? Or, hey, I want to kind of emphasize the love for this character and that character. What should we do to kind of emphasize that? And so anyway, long story short, I have high standards for that show. I want to make sure it's top notch, ready to go, and we're setting a high standard it hasn't been done before all right so that's pretty much what i've been up to so let's get to the news and now the latest news extra extra This week in the news, Tron Light Cycle Power Run's construction and opening dates have been revealed over at the Magic Kingdom here in Florida. According to some recently filed documents, construction will begin on February 6th, which is this week, and is scheduled to be completed before August 16th of 2021. What do you think about that long-range release date or reveal date and opening date for that attraction? Uh, I am I'm expecting it to get postponed several times and the ride will open seven years after it's expected to <laughs> well 20 it's the new avatar <laughs> 2021 is the 50th so do you think they will actually push hard to get it done before that yes and i think they're anticipating that the 50th will be pretty extraordinary I, just like disney's disneyland's 50th you know it's going to be an 18 month two year long uh celebration and and august 16th you know they're they're trying to, I think they're going to probably, if they can, try to move that up even because the celebration's really going to start, let's be honest, in May. And it's going to run, you know, for the next two years from that point because we're not waiting till October 1st to celebrate the Disney World is 50 years old, right? In right, 2021. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to want to have as many mainline attractions as they possibly can to celebrate that. I know that they have a mandate, right? They, they said at the D23 conference that. They wanted to have, you know, 50 new things, right, for the 50th anniversary. And so this is definitely one of those line items. And uh, I hope that it's it opens before August. But I have a feeling if it stays true to the pattern, it'll probably open sometime in May of 2023, yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. I hope not because so many people are excited. I've seen ride-throughs over in Shanghai. It looks amazing. It's going to be mega 
mega crowded in the Magic Kingdom that year, though. Yeah, and it's interesting that it's going to be built so close to Space Mountain. I wonder how it's going to impact the queue for Space Mountain. If it's Space Mountain is going to be busier because people will go to go uh, get, a, you know, they'll get their Fast Pass for Light Cycle Run and then they'll go get in line for Space Mountain. Um, and wait the 60 minutes or two hours or however long that's going to be, or if it's going to be the opposite where so many people are, are waiting in turn, you know, five hours to ride um, Power Run that they uh, that the line for Space Mountain is almost virtually walk-on. Yeah, I kind of want to see what else they do to offset the crowds, which is weird because the next story is really kind of a bummer. Staying at the Magic Kingdom, possibly some sad news that the D23 announcement for the Broadway-style theater off Main Street USA has either been delayed or canceled altogether, which is kind of sad. I mean, even though I thought it was kind of weird to have a theater right there, so whenever the shows are over, you dump like a thousand guests right out in the Main Street, I, I still kind of think it's weird that they're delaying this. I, I wonder if there's an actual reason. But anyway, they said either it's canceled altogether or at a minimum, there'll be a 12 to 15 month delay, but still could possibly open before the 50th. So there hasn't been any leaks on the reasoning as of right now. Yeah, we're still pretty much in the dark on this theater. What's the show going to be? Is it going to be real actors or animatronic like uh, the American Adventure? You know, what's what's the intent behind having this Broadway style theater? And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that these types of attractions are super people eaters, right? Uh, you have uh, American Adventure, as I mentioned, is a great example. But at DCA, they've got the Hyperion Theater. And, you know, you can fit 3,000 people, I think, in there. It's just a huge space. Of course, if, you, if you've ever gone there to see a show, you line up for a half hour before that and you stand in a courtyard in the sun, you know, and it feels like you're there for five hours. But even though it's only half an hour, then you, they've got to funnel all those people in and get them seated at takes probably 15 20 minutes just to do that alone and so it seems like a long time to wait for a show but the shows are always just amazing and so i think it's a great idea i hope it does get built uh, it's a little unusual the the space that they chose to build it because it is so close to the entrance and the exit the way that the magic kingdom and disneyland are so unique in that they've got these avenues that you walk down your know, main street to get to the rest of the park and it's kind of this this thoroughfare that you go through to, to enter and leave and it's it's just kind of a, a brilliant concept and now you're going to have this attraction that's going to house so many people be kind of a bottleneck right there toward the front it's going to be interesting how they they work at all that i'm trusting that the uh that the imagineers have figured out all of these problems and, and are confident that it's a good idea to put it where they're putting it or maybe they're still trying to figure it out and that's why they're pushing it back to maybe think of some logistical ways of making sure this doesn't fail, you know? <laughs> yeah, very, very well could be. And speaking of things falling apart, <laughs> the heads <laughs> the heads of animatronics have randomly, and it sounds like a conspiracy, but randomly like literally just fell off of the bodies of ursula over at dca in the little mermaid attraction as well as the auctioneer at <laughs> the pirates of the pirates. caribbean in paris uh, disneyland so that is weird yeah that was a fun day the internet really had a lot of fun with the memes around that you know the queen of hearts <laughs> you know the memes and things about you know the off with their heads and <laughs> you know it's just uh, it did really feel like a conspiracy what are the odds that right there within such a short period of time, you'd have two animatronic characters lose their heads. Yeah, um, and creepy. Like, they were saying 
that the heads were off, but they were still talking and moving all around and all that, like just hanging <laughs> yeah, off by wires. Yeah, singing and dancing. Yeah, oh. you know what would have been the uh, the icing on the cake for this whole thing is if Trump's head had fallen off oh, in the God. middle of a speech during. <laughs> uh, certain people would be so happy about that. Speaking of things being actually restored. Moving over to Epcot at the Wonders of Life Pavilion, or better known as today as the Festival Center during Food and Wine and Flower and Garden Festival, speculation online has been about a new attraction coming there very soon, but inside sources are saying that nothing is currently planned for the next four to five years in that space, and anything beyond regular roof repairs and restoration is pretty much all it is. I kind of like that they are restoring it, even though nothing's there, because it looks like... It's just uh, in disrepair. It's all yellow and faded. You can see rust and mold. And when you think Disney, you, you think like pristine and clean and fresh and new. As far as like the upkeep goes, at least. Maybe not the attractions. <laughs> but seeing that building at least get cleaned up, even though it's not going to be used besides the festivals, is still at least some good news. Yeah, I agree. So not not too bad. Not too bad. Something that's kind of exciting around all four of the parks, actually, this summer is going to be a new event called the Incredible Summer. Sounds uh, creative. <laughs> this will be along with the release of the next Incredibles film, which I'm kind of excited about. I liked the first one. It was fun. The Magic Kingdom will host a dance party at the Rocket Tower stage with characters Mr. Incredible, Elastigirl, Frozone, and the debut of Edna Mode will also appear. Now, the, a lot of these characters were already there during the other dance parties, so it's kind of like they're just returning because whenever they got rid of them, a lot of people were bummed. Do you think that's maybe it as well as the film's release? Oh, I'm sure it's tied in entirely to the film's release. They're going to do everything they can to uh, cross-channel their marketing you know, opportunities. And uh, they do this with everything, right? I mean, Pirates movie, the Doctor Strange movie, uh, Tron, when they, you know, uh, put skins on the monorails, they, they're, you know, they're going to do everything they can to cross-promote the films within the parks to capitalize on that every opportunity they get. And so, um, yeah, and, and it's, I, I'm excited that they're going to do something a little bit more, uh, than just, you know, showing a 12 minute, you know, segment of the movie that you can't see anywhere else. They're, they're going to have a little bit more fun with it. They're going to skin the parks with the, uh, with the uh, incredible summer and uh, yeah that's i think it's going to be a lot of fun i think it's going to be pretty cool and that's just at the magic kingdom this one is actually very popular on twitter i saw at the moment in in a positive and negative way now here's the thing i love the original concept of epcot and what you know the original attractions the original music but i'm also super excited for the guardians of the galaxy roller coaster that's going into the universe of energy so with that, a lot of people are kind of like still bummed about this one. But at Epcot, a part of that same event, a Guardians of the Galaxy stage show will be at the American Gardens Theater featuring Star-Lord and Gamora and will take guests through a journey through music from the two soundtracks from the films. So that's kind of cool. I mean, you think it'll be fun? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it'll be fun. I, think I don't be. know. You know, I think it's interesting because the movies are PG-13 and, you know, Trent and Jenny Calluet took their kids to see Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and, uh, you know, the, and he, you know they kind of regretted it. I don't know if they can entirely regretted it, but, you know, there's some adult humor and some yeah. language that is not really appropriate for kids. And so 
you know, the adults are going to feel like they don't really do Guardians of the Galaxy justice because they're going to have to family friendly the thing. Uh, but the music is fun and, you know, and people like a dance show and, uh, and all that stuff. I don't know. We're going to have to wait to see what audiences really think when this comes out. It might be laughable and it might be something really endearing that we look forward to, like the Frozen sing-along. You just never know. I think it'll be fun, um, especially because sometimes they just have nothing there. So it'll be nice to at least have something there at that stage. But at Animal Kingdom, the replacement for the bird show will be called Adventures Meet Up, a great bird adventure. <laughs> yeah, emphasis on the up. Yeah, and they have a lot of long names for certain things at Disney, I noticed. <laughs> but this will feature characters from the film Up, obviously, as well as a dino-tastic celebration for Donald Duck over in Dinoland, USA. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, you know, birds are the descendants of dinosaurs. Yeah, we all learned yeah, that from Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, Toy Story Land will open finally over at Hollywood Studios, which is actually, I say finally, but they built that thing incredibly fast. It was like, what, a year? And it's already pretty much done. They're just doing It's been two years since they started on it, but it's, yeah, but it's still, you're right. It's quick, but, you know, just looking from the, the promotional photos and the, you know, and they're doing a really good job of trying to leak information in a, in a methodical way that keeps us excited, but uh, it doesn't look like anything that would have required a lot of, you know, like Pandora, for example. I mean, you're, you're completely creating in three dimensions, this very detailed world that is involving you know, glowing sidewalks and living plants and all this stuff that's tied in and, you know, these floating mountains and stuff. That's that's very complex engineering. When you when you look at the the layout for Toy Story Land, it, it seems very simple and basic. You're you know, it's these block toys. It's a, it's a very compared to Pandora, it's very simple and basic engineering but um i still think it's gonna be a ton of fun and uh I, it's a safe bet for disney to do something like this and boy does hollywood studios really need it in a big way yeah badly oh man so all of that stuff will begin on may 25th which is right around the corner really we have about three months until then i hope that they do the toy story land uh, pass holder previews which they probably will and I'll be excited to actually cover that for the show for everyone, as well as enjoy it for myself. <laughs> <laughs> so an event I'm also excited about will be the 20th anniversary of Animal Kingdom. I know a lot of people dislike Animal Kingdom. I used to think it was one of the you know lesser parks I enjoyed visiting, even behind Hollywood Studios. Not anymore. But some events for the anniversary are new menu items in festival booths all over the park character dance parties and new backstage tours of Rafiki's Planet Watch and also at Tiffin's they'll have a dinner where they talk about the park and it's animals called Tiffin's Talks which sounds pretty cool mm. I think I'll want to be doing that so I did mention that a lot of people didn't really like Animal Kingdom because it was just so hot and there wasn't really much to offer but if you actually take a look and compare what they used to have in the past like 10 years or so to now there's a kind of a lot to do i think it went from definitely a half day park to a full day park really unless you still kind of pick and choose yeah i mean and there's a lot to enjoy about it even just aesthetically it's the prettiest of all of the parks in my opinion yeah I agree. Um, just walking around and looking at stuff yeah so it's it's a i think it's a great place to spend the day uh, i certainly have family members that don't enjoy spending more than half a day there and then they want to get off to magic kingdom or somewhere else but uh but yeah, I really like Animal Kingdom a lot and uh, wish I could be there in April. So have fun without me. 
uh, no hostility. <laughs> Not jealous at all. No hostility. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, like like Joey said, April twenty second, which is Earth Day, I believe, and that's kind of when they do their celebrations. That will be when all this happens. And this will be extended. I don't have an end date for you yet, but this will be extended further than the normal annual birthdays that they have for Animal Kingdom. So that's fun. I'm glad they're doing a lot more than just like, here's a button and a cupcake. Now get now get <laughs> out. Go to Pandora first. Get out. <laughs> so Also at Animal Kingdom, join Jose and Panchito from the Three Caballeros at Discovery Island for a carnival beginning on February 4th, which is this week. So... This will be a dance party nightly through May 5th, and uh, there you go. There's some extra opportunities to meet those characters, which they're, they're pretty much never out besides at the runs or during the Halloween party and things like that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Also, some unpopular news for everyone not at Walt Disney World. <laughs> Mostly hate, hatred from the West Coast, I noticed. But... They have been kind of slowly but surely revealing more and more about Club 33, and recently they revealed the logo. <sighs> so, at first <laughs> I thought that this was like something like, quick, we gotta come up with a logo, you have 10 minutes! And then they come up with that, and I didn't actually realize that it was like an updated version of the original. I'm like, okay then, well, uh, yeah. so now I'm kind of... It's not even as good as the original. No, and the original Sorry. was one solid color. And this one is at least multiple colors and they have shadows and things. But it still to me looks like something you go on one of those logo creating websites and uh, and just kind of drag and drop the art pictures on there yeah. and create it. It looks really not prestigious, especially when it's what, 10 to 20 grand or something each year. Yeah, it's like twenty four thousand to join and ten thousand dollars a year to stay, and that you know the price is going to go up, of course, of course, because supply and demand. And as soon as these things start opening up and and uh, taking, uh, you know, memberships, it's going to be you know doggy dog out there for membership. Um, you know, it really. I'm looking at it right now, and it just looks like they they hired somebody on Fiverr to make it. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's not what you would expect. And it seems you know for a while now we've been really impressed with some of the art coming out of Disney and and. We're going to talk more about art later, but it just seems like some things lately, like just in the last two weeks, it's like, who's running this thing? I mean, it's, did all of the executive board just decide to take a nap? I know there's been some, some changes in the executive leadership, but I mean, this had to have been months in the work and somebody had to sign off on this and it just doesn't hold up to the standards that I'm used to them holding themselves to. No, it doesn't have that prestigious look. It doesn't have that, you know glimmer to it it's just like here's a photoshopped logo i made this afternoon mm. yeah and it does look like the original logo and you know the if you look at the the one that disneyland is using now of course it's in new orleans and so they they spend a little bit of time really making it look like a ritzy new orleans type of you know uh, location you're know, like if you've ever been to new orleans the you know the the architecture there is spectacular and the the attention to detail is amazing and so they they applied that to what they were doing with this really french looking design with the you know the, all of the you know in in the logo and so looking at the one that's coming to the magic kingdom although interesting just doesn't get me excited but it's just a logo i think the restaurant is going to be a lot more impressive than what we're being treated to right now yeah and we'll definitely talk about the locations as we hear firm facts and details but it's rumored at the moment 
that at the Adventureland Veranda. We'll get the one there for the Magic Kingdom. And that will also, I think, be location for fireworks viewing where they'll clear out some of the trees there in the way. And the American Adventure Pavilion will host that one. And the one at Hollywood Studios is kind of weird. It's like in an upstairs old, used to be a bar back in the day. And the one at Animal Kingdom was in a back room of somewhere. I think it was in Tiffin's? Is what the rumor is? I forget. Okay. Well, either way, we'll announce it. (laughs) And it's probably not too far off because they are kind of revealing more and more in the past month. So there you go. Yeah. Hollywood Studios. I just saw some new merchandise, which actually doesn't look too, too bad. But the thing that's kind of weird is we've also recently been hearing that the name heavily rumored out of the garbage options, which I I believe are all crap, <laughs> is Cinemagine. Um, so anyway, what, what's weird, though, is that if that's what they're doing, they're still coming out with all this Hollywood Studios merch. Now, maybe it's either one. They had the design and they're like, uh, we might as well just get rid of this now so we can clear it out or maybe it's pushed back or maybe they're not going with Cinemagine or maybe the name changes way further off than what we think. I know a couple months ago we talked about that it's most likely going to be revealed around the time Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is released for the guests but what do you think? I don't think it's going to be Cinemagine. I just don't. Something in my gut tells me that we're getting played (laughs) and uh you know, we, we talked about this offline, how there there's no evidence. People are talking about how they're seeing things that they're, you know, that the name is coming and the change is going to happen and it's going to be Cinemagine, but nobody's showing us anything. There's no screenshots of, of emails or photographs of, you know, official documents illustrating that this is actually going to happen. And if anybody has any, we'd love to see it. But, you know, you just do a simple search for Cinemagine, you know, once you learn how to spell it right. Uh, you do a search for it on the internet, and there's a company called Cinemagine, a media company, and they own Cinemagine.com. And they've been around since 1998, and I just don't see them, uh, you know, Disney is not going to use something as obscure and as challenging as Cinemagine to compete with Universal uh, for the name of their park that has to do with Toy Story and Star Wars and Muppets <laughs> and Tower of Terror, which who knows what that's going to be, right? It's probably going to become Guardians at some point. Let's just be honest. And whatever uh, rock and roller coaster is going to become, if it's going to be a Monsters Inc. ride or uh, some other band like Blink-182 is going to, you know, add their music to it. We just don't know. And so, um, yeah, I just just don't see them going with Cinemagine. But again, I don't run the company. So, uh, and, you know, they've made some crazy decisions in the past. But if I was a betting man, I'll tell you what, Rich. I'll, I'll put my, my money where my mouth's at. If they actually end up calling it Cinemagine, I will take you to eat anywhere you want at Cinemagine Park <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I come visit you uh, after it opens. <laughs> How's that sound? It sounds awesome. I just hope that I don't get the free meal because <laughs> that name sucks. <laughs> um, so it, my theory is this, and I mentioned this on the show and online, that they released a whole bunch of crap names so that the name they come up with is better than what they you know rumored <laughs> so they they're like here what about uh what was it kaleidoscope park yeah that was one of God, them yeah come on <laughs> i always said just just either if you're gonna na- change it in the name just maybe like florida adventure like disney's florida adventure how we have dca just florida adventure or you know disney's 
so, uh, studio studio park or, <laughs> I, it just doesn't it doesn't sound good to change it to any of those other names so something just generic works you don't have to have this weird elaborate name that's all different i mean hollywood studios even though there are no studios and haven't been in a long time it's still it's okay <laughs> epcot's not a community of tomorrow so it's still okay to have that name it's just it's fine right. it's whatever so Next up, I wanted to actually ask you about this because you have done the Disney Dining Plan or are you real familiar with it? I am familiar with it. I actually have not done it because we have a real particular style when we go to Disney and we're very budget sensitive. And it and when I ran the numbers, it didn't make sense. But uh, I have been slowly nudging my way toward it because there's here's the thing about the dining plan there's scenarios where it makes perfect sense and then there's scenarios where it doesn't and when we go normally we go as a party of eight and it doesn't make sense and so we opt not to do it but if you're going to go as a party of two and you're going to do character dining the whole time you're there it makes perfect sense and you should absolutely jump all over it um but what we're talking about here is is something that is also very near and dear to my heart because I'm a big fan of using mobile apps in the um, in the secular world. Is that the right way mm-hmm. of saying it? Uh, you know, in my day to day life. Just yesterday, in fact, I was at Panera having lunch with some friends, and I placed the order for my meal from my table. And you give them your table number, and they just bring it right to you. I didn't have to get up and go stand in line. In fact, I, I jokingly told my friends that I I won't order from a restaurant where I have to go stand at the register and place my order. And so, um, too posh and, I, and it's for that. true. I'm just, well, I'm spoiled by the fact that Chipotle and Starbucks and, and, uh, you know, even McDonald's now, you can place your order and pull up. We, uh, my wife and I uh, go to Chick-fil-A pretty often. I would say probably once a week, once every other week. Um, Just, it's one of those places that's convenient for us when we're running from one place to another. And we can order our food, drive up, let them know we're there. And it's, and they, and they hand it to us and we drive away. And, you know, this is a, the Chick-fil-A near our home has very long lines in the drive-thru. And so, uh, it's just, I don't know why more people don't do it. And so I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And so, um, I'm, I, I, I'd be very excited to try out the dining plan with this option that we're about to talk about, uh, the next time I come out there. Yeah. So what's neat about that is they actually added that to the mobile ordering. So it just adds to kind of what they have the mobile ordering with all the here's the thing about that i always forget about it until i'm like leaving in there and what's kind of neat is on your my disney experience it pops up a an alert and it's like you're near uh you know pinocchio's village house and do you want to put in a mobile order and i'm like well crap i just ate (laughs) like why didn't it tell me before i never (laughs) think about it because it's been years and years of not using it but i heard that it is super convenient it also tells you that your stuff is ready and you click a button that says I'm here and it'll and then they'll bring it up to the window for you so it's really easy to uh, to do. <laughs> so I just have to get used to start uh, to start using it and everything. Yeah, I think the difference here is that they already had mobile ordering. They're just adding it to the dining plan now. So even if I didn't have the dining plan, I would still use the mobile ordering option um, at places that offered it. Now, the fact that the I know a lot of people are very fond of the dining plan and, and they'd be, they've been asking for this ever since mobile ordering came out. So they're going to be very excited by the fact that they no longer have to wait in line to order their food while using the uh, the 
you know, the food plan, the dining plan, which is great because if you are using the dining plan wisely, it can be not only very convenient and, and potentially could save you money, but the fact that you are now saving time while using this very convenient option is going to be very popular. I think a lot of people are going to be talking about it. I think it's going to be one of those things. I think it's going to be a Disney hack for a while. I think people are going to be like, hey, get the dining plan. And don't forget, there's a special, you know, feature where you can order your food and people are going to be like, wow, you can even do that? That's amazing. I had no idea. And I think it's going to not only affect how people dine at the parks, I think it's going to impact the way that they dine in their regular life, like I was mentioning earlier. Mm -hmm. It's just they get with the times, basically, which is awesome. So last in the news, due to popular demand and talking about getting with the times with Uber and Lyft, we have the minivans, which were announced a little bit before D23, and they were revealed at D23, and now we have them, and they're super popular, but it's now been revealed that they'll further extend their service to Saratoga Springs and the Caribbean Beach Resort, as well as the newly announced airport transportation service that launched last week, or if you're listening to this in two weeks from now, two weeks ago. <laughs> Um, it's now been rolled out to guests at the Yacht and Beach Club in addition to the boardwalk. So this is just getting bigger and bigger, and it's m more exclusive than taking the bus. You don't really have to wait if, you know, you set it up to be there at a certain time. What do you think about the normal minivan service as well as the airport transportation service that they launched? I, I think the minivan is great. The fact that they're expanding it means that they're probably going to keep it. It's unlike the other transportation bus. A system that, yeah, the buses that they had that they let go or other things that they've announced that they tried on and then didn't keep, you know, like the cabanas and stuff. So the fact that they're expanding it means that it's producing the results that they're looking for and they're looking to slowly roll it out to other options. I'm excited for the day when they say, hey, art of animation, order a minivan, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, I think it's great. I, I, I'm a Lyft user myself. Uh, when I was in Salt Lake City, I, took a lift from the airport to my hotel and I'm from my hotel to the airport when I left nice. town I didn't have a rental car and uh, enjoyed the experience and love the fact that you know at five in the morning I left my hotel I crossed the street went to a Starbucks uh, and I'd already ordered my coffee by the way <laughs> through the mobile app on my way to Starbucks but then I used the mobile app as I was entering the Starbucks to order my lift and by the time I'd had my drink in hand my driver was pulling up into the parking lot and so Man. the fact that you could do that now with the minivans it's kind of worth 20 bucks. I've waited for the Disney transportation for 40 minutes before. And it's, mm. you know, it's kind of a drag and to be able to just pull out your phone, go order a minivan and spend 20 bucks to have them, you know, d deliver you where you want to go. I also, the, with the, um, addition of the airport is nice because with, um, using the buses again, you're on their schedule. If you're using a minivan, you, you know, you can kind of feel like the rich and famous for just a little bit, you know, you're paying for the luxury, but you get to choose when you're leaving. If you want an extra hour in the parks, because the buses are leaving at a certain time and you'd have to leave an hour before, you know, you'd really want to have to, before you need to get to the airport. Uh, this gives you the opportunity to not have to do that. And so, um, yeah, I'm all for it. I think it's a great idea. And I think that's the, it's the future. You know, we, they had talked in the past, uh, about, uh, driverless cars. And I think that this is, this is getting us one step closer to being able to just order a car that rolls up, doesn't even have a driver. You hop in, it takes you to the airport. I mean, how cool is that going to be when that becomes an option? What's also fun is watching all of this technology. We have Tesla out there. We have Google testing out these cars. The technology is growing so fast and it's fun to actually watch it, especially being incorporated at Disney. Yeah, it's a great environment to beta test this stuff. Um, I know in California that Google, I just saw a report that Google's driverless cars drove 300,000 miles um, 
on average in uh, California this last year. And it's they're just get, getting the data and they're just, you know, it's, it's just getting uh, that much closer to the point where they're not going to be able to say no to this kind of technology because it is safer. And it is and, and, and not only is it safer now, but um, as things happen, as, as uh, you know, accidents happen or as, as things, you know, just like in the airline industry, they're going to continue to tweak the the system so that it gets safer and safer and safer every time something like this happens. And Disney's already pretty safe, right? So if you go to Walt Disney World, you're inside the bubble. It's pretty safe already. And the fact that they've got very clean roads, very well-defined infrastructure, uh, it's going to be uh, really interesting for them to to roll it out, have a large use case because you have a large number of people who are going to take advantage of these uh, tools, these resources, and then you're going to have all this data to say, look, it worked. And so let's put it in Washington, D.C., and let's put it in New York City, where you have this incredibly congested, you know, city infrastructure where this is going to solve all those problems. And it's going to be really hard for lawmakers to say no to something like that when they have the data. It's, just, it's cool that Disney's a part of that. Yeah, for sure. I, I know that it, it is really nice to see that, especially because Walt was always so big on transportation and conveniences and technology and tomorrow and all that and it's nice that they still keep that alive especially with society you know epcot's a little bit outdated in future world well a lot outdated but you know the idea of the original epcot was to just show an, a showcase of ever-growing technology and things like that but at least if they're not going to be doing it at epcot they are featuring it around the resort with like the skyliner being added and that's already well under construction you could see the pillars all over the place um, the electricals already beginning to uh, be installed as well with that and the minivans it's like imagine leading the transportation department on property that's insane it's like basically part of a town it is it's actually uh you know they have more buses there than some major cities in the united states right yeah, so definitely. uh yeah <laughs> they have it, it's it's a it's a real serious operation it's like running a you know city metro transportation system and then with the addition to, to you know the gondolas and uh, potentially some you know retrofitting or redesigning or, or upgrading of the monorail system Please. it's you know <laughs> you know they, they're going to do it at some point they just know that the people love that experience it's it's too near and dear to remove it and there's really no better i mean I, the only other thing i could think of them doing is replacing it with a, another gondola that goes around the lake and I, don't, I don't think people are going to be too keen on that so no. um yeah i think they're going to update that at some point so yeah it's it's a it's a pretty interesting uh i i don't envy the person who has that job because you know it's just got to be uh, a 24 hour seven day a week uh you know monstrous job Speaking of the monorail, though, it's funny. I was looking at ride closures scheduled for this next whole year, and it's like, yeah, we got the Pirates coming up here in a few weeks to add the new redhead scene. We have this closing, that closing for normal refurb. And then it just said monorail, like, ongoing all of 2018. <laughs> I'm like, of course. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, yeah. It's been kind of yeah. scary lately. This past news, we had that falling part. We had the door open recently. We had the whole breakdown for four hours. Um, yeah, and it's been a while since they've updated those vehicles. They just oh. need to, they just need to pull them all off and do build new trains, you know, new monorail cars, new new engines, and like they've done in the past when they when they put some intention into it and stick them on the rail and and send them down the line and, and uh, they'll run for another twenty five years like these have done. And so uh, it's just a shame that they haven't kept up with continually reinventing and uh you know innovating with that technology because it's 
you know, the monorail concept is very old, but you can continue to innovate on, you know, how people use it. It's a v- still very futuristic looking, even in 2018, when you consider that it was 1959 when Walt Disney introduced it to Disneyland. Um, and it was extremely futuristic then. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. They should definitely keep it around. For sure. So what do you think about the art festival at Epcot? Uh, I think I would love to come and check it out someday. <laughs> it's a- I like art. I like Epcot. <laughs> it's it's actually so much fun. I'm so glad they kept it and they expanded it. The artists are there every day now instead of I think they were just the weekend or just during the week before. Either way, there's a lot more now. It's so much fun. I'm going to go back here in the next few days, I hope. But later in the show... Right after here in a couple segments, I have an amazing interview for you guys. It's by master Disney artist Kevin John, and his story was so, so, so interesting. And he's a super awesome guy, super humble, real nice, real nice guy. He, he paid me attention for about an hour, so he actually stepped aside from his booth while the cast member kind of manned it there. And he, he came aside, off to the side, and, and talked with me. We, were, we started chit-chatting, and I'm like, hold on, hold on, let's record all this, because he started going and going, and I'm like, this is so interesting and amazing, and and I didn't think, I'll be honest, I didn't think I was going to get too great of an interview. I thought it would have been like, yeah, I went to art school, and I kept going, and I, I you know I worked hard, and here I am today, and I, I thought it'd be something like that, but no, this guy has a great story from a small town, actually from my dad's hometown. And he made it from there, and one day he just wanted more. And then he moved up a little bit, and then he wanted more. And he moved up a little bit, and everyone's like, man, you're making it as an artist. And then he wanted more. So to go from where he started to where he is today is such a fun and interesting interview. And I'm excited for you guys to finally hear that I've been hanging on to that for now about two weeks now. And we'll have that right after Joey's Hack of the Week. Hey guys, it's Joey, the Disney hack here, and Rich has been kind enough to let me have a few minutes every show to just let you guys in on some things. And I'm going to pull from my hat of past hacks and share them with you here on the One Little Spark, as well as some things I've never talked about before. But today I want to talk about something that is so important to me. I've talked about it actually several times. And if you're not doing this one thing when you go to the parks, you're really putting yourself in a position where you could be setting yourself up for disaster and what i'm talking about is having enough power on you for your mobile device you know you get the photo pass and you get them to take pictures of your family and that's all well and good but there's a lot of opportunities in between photo pass photographers where you want to whip your phone out and take some pictures and of course these days it's so easy to do that with your phone that you don't bring a big camera with you i know some of you do and you get some amazing pictures but most of us don't And the last thing you want to have happen is you're shooting video, you're taking pictures, and all of a sudden you get that warning that your battery's about to die and you didn't bring an extra power pack. Now, Rich and I have talked about this. You know, he's got a fuel rod. Uh, I've never used the fuel rods, but I've done a lot of research on them. And there are times where they're actually very convenient. What's nice is that uh, if you do use a fuel rod and you use it up, you could just go exchange it for another one. The problem is you've got to go look for a location where you can swap it out and get a fresh fuel rod to charge your phone or whatever device you're trying to, to power. You know, you also don't want to be in a situation where your party separates and you 
have been taking too many pictures or using your mobile device to look at the lines app or the my disney experience app and all of a sudden um you know you need to make phone call because you're lost and you don't know where you're at and you don't know where your party is at and you guys are maybe you're at the rendezvous point and they're not and you don't know what's going on and your phone is dead right so what i recommend my hack is to make sure you go shop online go to amazon and get yourself a really good uh, battery charger the fuel rods are great they're they're uh there for you if you're in a in a pinch if you're at the parks and you don't have power i was actually uh traveling one time and i brought my my battery backup <laughs> and i forgot the the cord that goes between it and my phone and i was you know pretty much in trouble from that point on and i had to put my phone in low power mode and make sure that i didn't use it i even think i put it on airplane mode just so that i would use less and less power on it and i hated having to do that uh, so now it's one of my first items that i pack and make sure that i have is i've got that that charger and i've got uh, the cord for it in fact i even have two cords because the charger i have will charge two phones at a time because it's nice to be able to power up uh, my phone and my wife's phone or a friend's phone or even a total stranger's phone if they look like they're panicking it could really use a little bit of extra power it's uh, nice to be able to have that as an option to do that uh, sometimes i plug in my power pack and I stick my phone in my pocket and I just walk around for a little while and the, the one I have and I don't want to promote any particular one go do uh, your due diligence and shop around because mine's kind of old but it still works great for me so I don't want to recommend it but shop around and see what you like uh, but get one that lasts a little while I mine uh, I charge it up before I leave the house and I'm at Disney World for a week I don't charge it again it just keeps powering my phone day out you know every day that I'm there and I love having it with me I love not running out of power and being able to take pictures shoot videos of the entire fireworks show without having to worry about you know my phone going dead halfway through it so that's my hack of the week. Just make sure you've got a little bit of power with you for your mobile device because they just don't seem to last throughout the day. Uh, I know, Rich, you told me that you um, have had situations where you had to charge your phone like three or four times in a single day. Tell me a little bit about that and what that experience has been like. Yeah, so I normally keep one of those brick chargers that charges it for like a whole week. And I do keep the fuel rod. And I actually use the fuel rod first a lot of the times. And once I have to refuel or reuse it, I'll go and grab a new one, uh, depending on where they are. They do have a lot of stations throughout all the parks as well as Disney Springs, so you can kind of swap them out easily. But uh, like Joey said, basically, if you're wanting this long-term power source, that fuel rod's not for you. This is, to me, like a backup emergency, and I keep that in my backpack every time I go to the park as a backup in case my brick dies and I just don't have the wall charger with me or on the way home say something happens and I just have no way to charge my phone it's always there with me in the car on the way to and from the parks and I live about an hour away so you know it's kind of scary when I leave sometimes at 2 in the morning and if anything happened I at least have my phone charged so again backup and I would definitely do research. I did a little bit of research before buying the one I have now. It was 25 bucks on Amazon and definitely worth it. It basically lasts about seven days or so to fully charge my phone, which I have the iPhone X and uh, it works great. So again, yeah, fuel rods good for in a pinch. That's 30 bucks one time use. You can recharge it at home if you really wanted to. And I also know that you can swap them out at airports, but, uh, you know, it's good to have, but I, I would also rather recommend getting like a 25 to $50 charger that you can use all week, which a lot of them have two ports and stuff like that. Yep. Excellent. Well, that's the hack of the week.
Hello everyone, this is Kelly, one half of the team from Epic Disney Escape. We are on our second installment of a three-part series about small ways to make your escape epic without spending extra cash. The suggestion may not be for everyone, but if you're looking to take your escape to the next level, then this tip might be for you. Do a Disney challenge. Some people might ask, why would you want to do a challenge when you're on vacation? Isn't the main reason you're on vacation to relax? And those people are terribly wrong. The reason I go on vacation is to escape reality. And what better way to forget about the hardships at home than to focus all your mind power on something very trivial and of no real importance. Challenges can also bring your group closer together. With everyone working towards the same goal, you are bound to connect more throughout the trip. There are many different challenges out there to fit different personalities, or you could make up your own. My friend Christina and I, who make up the Epic Disney Escape team, created a challenge for one of the escapes that we took together. There were things that we had to do or find in each of the four parks. Christina even made a photo book with all the goals listed in it so we could check off each assignment as we completed them. We did everything we set out to do, except one thing. We were too late to see Divine at Animal Kingdom. Ugh, so devastating. One day, Divine, one day. Another challenge we nearly completed was the WDW 47 challenge created by Parkeology. You must ride all 47 rides that are in all four parks in one operating day. Seems impossible, right? Well, Walt Disney himself did say, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. Christina and I got so close to completing the challenge, but we missed the last ride. We showed up to get on our 47th ride, Seven Dwarves Mine Train, five minutes after the park closed and they wouldn't let us on. Even though we didn't complete the challenge, participating in it was one of the best times I've ever had in Disney and it made that trip super memorable. For more information on how to take the WDW 47 challenge, visit parkeology.com. If you aren't into extreme challenges, you can opt for one of the less intense options like finding hidden Mickeys or eating around the world in Epcot. Right now, One Little Spark Podcast and Epic Disney Escape are teaming up to create a scavenger hunt event in the Magic Kingdom. On February 25th, teams will be wandering around trying to find hidden treasures throughout the park. We've had so much fun creating this event and we would love if you could join us. For more information on the scavenger hunt, you can find the Epic Magic Kingdom Challenge event on Facebook. Check it out and let us know if you'd like to join us in the fun. Also, if you want to know more about epic experiences and epic magic, check out Epic Disney Escape on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening. I'm here at Epcot at Epcot's International Festival of the Arts, and I'm here with master Disney artist Kevin John. How's it going, sir? It's fantastic. It's so good to see you. How are you loving the festival so far? It, it is amazing. Um, the people are incredible. Um, the, Disney has done an amazing job of, of building out this festival. You know, this is really the second year for it. Uh, they tested it last year, very small scale, and they really blew it up this year to uh, what, I, what I think is one of the finest festivals that they do. Absolutely. I think this is my favorite one, along with food and wine, I think. Yeah, yeah. So were you involved last year? I, I was not. You know, it's kind of a wait and see type of a thing, you know. they I know they tested it a little bit with, um, you know, a couple of licensees and whatnot. And um, uh, this year they invited me out and, and I'm, I'm, I'm here 17 total days over the two-month period. So it's, it's, it's a really good opportunity for people to come out and meet me and, um, you know, have photographs and get autographs and buy some of the art and stuff like that. So it's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. 
That's awesome. So how, before we get into your story and all that, how did you actually get involved with this festival? Specifically with the festival, I, I got an email from, you know, my contact at Disney, and, um, and they, he just said that they would like to invite me to uh, uh, create three new originals that would premiere here at the festival, which I did. I, um, one is the uh, Cinderella Castle at Sunset. Uh, the second is the Haunted Mansion Bride, and those Haunted Mansion fans will know the Bride from the Attic. And um, and then the third is the Jungle Cruise piece. I don't think the Jungle Cruise gets enough notoriety. You know, it's it's a classic Walt Disney piece. It's 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 an attraction that that Walt was hands on with. You know, and uh, so I wanted to do that justice. So that was it. I I, I uh, looked at you know what they were offering, and and I signed on. Awesome, yeah. Oh, so, okay, so I was looking at your social media and I looked at your website and I basically saw that you were from the same hometown as my dad, Erie, Pennsylvania. Yes. And I kind of perked at that. I'm like, oh man, that's someone else. Uh, my dad would probably say, oh, someone else as unfortunate. <laughs> but no, he loves it. You know, he always goes back. He always shows us the best places to get certain foods and all that. So how was it going from Erie, PA down here to being local in Florida? Well, it, it was... Um... It, it, it was a it was a big move, you know. I, I spent most of my life in Erie. I'm 48 now. Um, you 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 can't find better people, you know. It just just really good people. Um, it is a it is a big it is a small big town. Um, the food you mentioned is incredible, and you know it's home. You know, family and friends were there, but I had my my work. Um, had outgrown Erie. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I had done the best I could marketing my work outside of Erie while I lived there. But you know, it just got to a point where, uh, you know, we needed a, a, a little bigger market and a little change. And um, this move here was really uh, was really for the weather. You know, I came down here in 2009 uh, to Disney on a vacation. And this is way before my Disney contract. Uh, I've always been a Disney fan. And uh, we came down here on a vacation. And I'd never been off Disney property. So I rented a car and um, I wanted to see the ocean. And the concierge told me that it's an hour that way, you know. And just drive straight and you'll hit historic Cocoa Beach. So there it is. There I am. It's February. I am standing in the ocean. It is like bath water. It's 85 sunny crystal blue azure sky and um and i said to my girlfriend why are we not living here <laughs> because back home we were getting shellacked yeah. with snow with one of those famous eerie snowstorms you know erie is the snow capital of the country and that's not um, even more snowfall than uh, alaska i mean it is crazy um so I wanted to get out of that and get down here. So we moved out on the coast. We live on the little barrier island out uh, out on the east coast in a little little beach town called India Atlantic, and it's it is uh, it is paradise to me. I've been around there. I, I actually did a big bike ride. It was a hundred miles, and that was my favorite part of the whole route. Was that area? It was just like a almost cliche beach town like everyone's walking with fishing poles yes. there was a little bridge that spun around and people were just kind of walking around is awesome i yes. loved it over there yes so going back to your days in erie and whenever you began kind of having that love for 
art. When was it that you really decided to pursue something like that? Well, you know, it's it's funny. You know, when you're an artist, and whether that's performing arts, two-dimensional art, like I create, you know, it just comes out. You you can't not yeah. create. Yeah. And um, so I've always always drawn I've always created when I got into high school you know I found out that you could actually do this as a career and um, so my senior year in high school I started selling my art professionally and that was 31 years ago working those part-time jobs that you do in high school you know at the mall and whatnot you know I, I quickly realized that I didn't want to do one of those type of jobs for the rest of my life you know uh, and why not why not pursue what I really love and that's you know bringing joy to people through through my art and um, I've been so blessed I, I work really really hard um, but I've been very blessed with some of the opportunities that have been put in front of me and 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 moreover my collector base I mean I have loyal collectors that have collected my art for 31 years you know now you know again starting in little Erie Pennsylvania and now people all around the world know my name and collect my art it's it's surreal but I am I am just so fortunate so I know the cultures definitely probably changed over the past you said 31 years of doing this so how is a typical day nowadays as an artist with the boom of social media and how easy it is to see everything with content? How, it, how is a normal day that you live uh, as an artist? That's a great question. You know, I always say if I, had, if I would have had social media in 1987, uh, I, I would have been a millionaire by the time I was 30. It has completely changed my business. Um, I, I can reach people daily. People can look into my studio every day as I create. Um, I'm constantly sharing up to, you know, my Facebook page, uh, videos and photos of me creating the art. Um, people that I meet, for instance, here, you know, at the, at the Festival of the Arts, here at Disney, you know, will take my card and they'll connect with me instantly on social. And, you know, we build relationships. They get to know me. They get to know a little bit more about the man behind the art and see the upcoming stuff. Um, many of my paintings are sold before I even begin painting them because I announce what I'm going to do and my inbox is flooded with you know, I want that piece and, and I haven't even started it. I mean, it's ridiculous when you think about it. My art, you know, sells for uh, average of $6,000 per. And it's, it's, an, it's a huge commitment for people to, to purchase my art. Um, and I'm appreciative of that, but it fascinates me that, uh, that oftentimes it sells before it's even created. So, but to answer your question, you know, uh, what's a normal day? I usually 15 hour days. Um, I work about 60, about 60 hours a week, uh, take Fridays off. I, I, I get up in the morning, go to the gym, come home. And that, I usually do my social media uh, uploads uh, early, you know, nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. And then I get to, I get to work on the on the actual labor, you know, the, the the painting, the designing, whatever it might be. I'm working on. There's contracts to look over. There's emails to answer. Um, you know, I had an agent for years that took care of that for me when I worked in sports uh, as a sports artist. Um, now I have a, an amazing uh, partner, amazing manager who um, who handles a lot of that stuff for me now. Helps design our, you know, our, our marketing strategies 
series and our new products and whatnot. So communicating with him, he uh, uh, he and his family live in Tennessee, uh, in Tennessee, Memphis, and so you know that has to be handled. Communications with Disney um, and my other my other clients. So it's 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 a constant all day long. You know, I try and you know reserve some blocks of time for that creative time. Um, I'm, I'm not the type of artist that really creates out of um, uh, inspiration. My art is more created um, out of things that I need to do. You know, Disney will, you know, request things or I know that I, you know, want to have, you know, three pieces or four pieces this year created for Disney and, you know, that planning process. So I, I don't have to wait around till I'm moved. You know, I move myself to create because the sooner that I get that piece done, the sooner I get paid, you know, right. and and it's all it's it's about production. Oftentimes there's only one of me. And so I need to I need to make use my time efficiently. That's got to so, be a great email to get where it's like I'm willing to pay 10,000 or 6,000 by the way good morning <laughs> yeah it, it it is it's it's pretty exciting you, you know and this started when I when I was a sports artist I for years almost 20 years I was um, I created um, action portraiture for pro athletes and for the teams. So commissioned by the athletes and the teams I, I have over uh, 400 pro athletes as a, on, on my client list. And it, it, it's always amazing to me that anytime my phone rings, you know, there could be, you know, a, a, a Terrell Owens or a Tom Brady on the other side of that phone, you know, asking me, Kevin John from Little Erie, Pennsylvania, the kid with crayons, to you know, create a portrait for them. So those phone calls, 31 years later, are still as awesome to me and 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 make make my knees weak you know as as it did the first time you know sounds like a dream come true so you got here you're at the festival at disney how did you and you talked about it a little bit but how did you basically go from working your own art up to the point where did disney approach you or did you have to actually put in or how did that work out that's a great question so with my sports art i i built my brand um to national prominence you know um i got a contract with espn in 2003 where uh they would um have me at uh, Super Bowl for Super Bowl week or the Final Four or PGA tournaments and I would be creating art live uh, during that week and they would use it um, on camera, the ins and outs on camera of me creating the art and so uh, again my brand was was real strong. Um, somehow through that process Disney found me. Um, I'm not a character artist. I don't paint Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and, and whatnot. Disney has enough wonderful talented character artists that's not what they needed what they needed from me was lending my style of what i call stylized realism you know really you know i depict things that that we see with our eyes you know um they needed that so they uh five years ago they they reached out to me it was an it was an email first and and it's kind of a funny story because um we had moved here to be closer to Disney because we like to come to Disney. Um, so I got the email and 
you know, my my career was really, I mean, flourishing. You know, really, I built it up to a point where, you know, I was not, I'd book out nine months in advance with work. It was really chugging along. I was working with great companies like Leaf Trading Cards and Topps Trading Cards and Beckett and ESPN and, you know, major sports brands and as well as all the teams and athletes. I was, it, things were going wonderfully. I said to my girlfriend, I said, well, you know, I don't want to go to work for Disney. I don't want to, I don't want to become, I can't become someone's employee. I'm running a company here, you know? And, um, so I kind of ignored the email. Uh, I didn't want to work where I played, yeah. you know? And, uh, another email came about a month later. And again, they followed up and, you know, wanted me to come in and talk. And, you know, my girlfriend said, you know, what have you got to lose? Just go and hear what they have to say, you know? Okay. All right. So I took the meeting and I got it immediately. It was what I understood exactly what they wanted. They didn't want me to paint Mickey Mouse. They wanted me to create art based on the experiences here in the parks. And that's what I really love. Walt was an incredible career template for me. And I, I love the parks. I, I, I feel his presence, certainly at Disneyland. But even here at Walt Disney World, you know, this, this is his legacy. Uh, even though he did not build this place, um, Walt, I feel, is very much still here. Um, and that's what they wanted me to give to the guests of Disney and um, and I was honored to accept this master artist contract I was I'm still able to run my own company and then provide this art for Disney gosh man it's like you already had your dream coming true and then boom there's even a major plus on top of it yeah you know throughout this 31 year period um, there have been many uh, upgrades and plateaus from the time I was 17 years old all the way along, you know, I, I, I kind of um, uh, describe it as a staircase, you know, if you can imagine. And er every time I reached a new step, everyone would say to me, oh my gosh, you know, you have your, you're 17 years old, you have your art in galleries, you know, boy, you really made it. And then, uh, then I moved started doing artwork outside my little town of Erie, Pennsylvania. I did artwork in Pittsburgh and Cleveland and Buffalo. And, oh, wow, you're being recognized in other big cities. Boy, you've really made it. And then, you know, as I got some more contracts um, with, you know, different companies, oh, you've really made it this time. And then when I got the um, my first uh, NFL gig, uh, oh, my gosh, you've made it. You finally made it, you know, and, and all along the way. And... Even even when I got the Disney gig, you know, oh my gosh, you finally made it, you know. And so this has been over 30 years, this this progression of climbing this staircase, and every plateau is 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 another watermark. It's another huge landmark in my career, but it's not the end. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. If most artists would get this gig with Disney, that would be it. It would be all that they want to do for the rest of their lives. And I do want to do this for the rest of my life, but I want so much more. Yeah. The moment I signed that contract and I did my first piece, I'm like, okay, what's next? Yeah. What's the next thing I can conquer? What's the next mountain I can climb? And I think that's an important lesson for artists that you can't, uh, or, or anyone, don't be satisfied with you know, where, 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 where you are, you know, always, I, I always try and be a better person and a better artist, um, tomorrow than I was today. And, and that's, I think 
where success comes from. It's a, it's a constant striving to become better. Uh, it's de that's definitely a positive way of looking at everything, especially in life in general. I usually surround myself with positive people just to keep the positivity around. And I don't want it to sound like I've never had any pitfalls. Yeah. I've had more pitfalls than I have had wins. That's just the nature of any business, you know? Yeah. I, um, you're gonna lose a lot more than you're gonna win. You're gonna fall down and bloody your nose a lot. And you talked about Walt. I mean, think about Walt. He's, he's went. He basically lost his cartoon studio and yeah. and tons of money lost because of bad decisions. His brother thankfully came mm -hmm. in and saved the day. But that's you right. know, that's right. There's mistakes that happened there and yeah. major downfalls with him. I, I embrace. I embrace the failures almost more than I do the wins. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's made me a, a, a better artist, a better person, and um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, that basically answered the question I had next: is what you would tell aspiring artists who want to do basically what you do, or at least a, along the same lines. My my biggest my 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 biggest piece of advice to young artists is don't do what every other artist does. You know, being a being an artist is. Uh, for the most part, it's a, it's a failed program. You know, the, the term starving artist is, is out there for a reason. And it's because they do the same thing all the time. They create what inspires them. They try and get it into a gallery and hang it for no money. Hope that someday someone walks through and sees it and wants to purchase it. And then you get a small per percentage of what the thing sells for because the gallery owner is yeah. going to take it. Um, you know, doing you know, the you know country fair festival, and I haven't done a I haven't done an arts festival since I was 17 years old. This is the first one in 30 years that I've done, and this is a different type of thing. <laughs> yeah. But it I, I I looked up and down the you know that first festival I did when I was 17. I looked up and down you know artists row. And I saw all these men and women that were much older than me. They were in their 40s, 50s. And there they sat on a lawn chair trying to sell their paintings for 100 bucks a piece. And, you know, they unpacked their cars and their cars are broken down. And, you know, they're always, they're complaining about they're not selling enough. They can't make a living. And, and I said, all right, this, this. I got to do it differently if we're going to make this thing work. So what I did is I looked at other people that are in non-traditional um, careers, um, talent-driven non-traditional careers, authors, actors, athletes, um, musicians. And I looked at the way that they treat their art, the way they value their art, the way they don't give their art away for free, the way they place value in themselves and in their art, the way that they promote their art, the way they position themselves. The worst thing an artist can do is throw out a card table at, you know, a little craft fair and with a handwritten sign and hope someone, it's a, yeah, you're going to sell some art, but you're going to, you're, you're forever going, that's forever going to be your brand. You know, people are going to say, that's the guy that I saw at that fair. And that may be great for some artists, and, 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 and that's wonderful. God bless you. But I wanted more, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that's, that's I, I think that's my advice, you know. Yeah. 
Awesome. So I have some listener questions that people have messaged oh, cool. me and posted on social media and things like that. So what is the mo- who is the most famous person you've ever painted? You know, that changes generationally. Oh, yeah, um, you know, my first big NFL contract was with uh, Terrell Owens. Yeah. And at the time, you know, people will know him as T.O. Yeah. Terrell was uh, on top of the world. He had just, um, you know, bounced the the ball off the cowboy star in the center of the field and everyone knew who Terrell was. He was an amazing athlete, top of his game. So, you know, 2001, he's the most famous person. I think now, contemporarily, uh, it's got to be Tom Brady, you know. Um, the guy is the, the best football player to ever live, to ever play the game. And and um, so that has to be, I think right now, you say Tom Brady, everyone knows who that is, you know. Um, yeah, musicians too. I mean, I did a piece for Alice Cooper. I mean, come on. I mean, that's ridiculous, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's just the, the, the people that I've met um, through this journey and that, that have commissioned art from me, it's just, I, 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 you know, you step away from Kevin John the artist and you you're sitting there as Kevin John, the, the kid, you know, or the guy, and, and you, you, you look at this thing from, you know, perspective of 31 years later, and holy cow, you know, we've done some good things, you know, we've done some good things. The next one is, uh, you, you did mention that Disney kind of came to you and said, draw from inspiration and from yeah. the parks, but what's the craziest thing that you have been asked? Did they specifically ask you to draw anything, or did you kind of have free reign on it? No, I really, I really have free reign. Um, I come up with concepts. Uh, I do a written concept first, and I send that in, and then they, you know, will email back and say, oh, yeah, I like that idea. Okay. I think that's good. We have uh, this coming up. Let's, you know, maybe there's like Haunted Mansion 45th anniversary. You know, I send in a concept for that of the the graveyard caretaker, you know, uh, grave digger that, you know, and um, and they like that. And then the work begins, you know, then I start doing concept sketches and those revisions that can go on for four or five weeks. Uh, The Jungle Cruise piece, I I concepted that thing for two years Um, and it's a great working relationship I have with Disney. You know, I send those concepts in and they, they critique them and, you know, plus my work. They, they, they push me to become a better artist. Um, and they know what their, uh, they, they know their product better than anyone. They know their IP better than anyone, you know. So, of course, I'm going to take their, their criticism and their advice. Um, so, really not crazy in that way. You know, they don't request things. It's it's more of a, a really wonderful working relationship where I bring the ideas to them. It sounds amazing. Like, you're not stuck doing, like you mentioned, oh, I don't want to do the cells in one of these animated films. I right. want to do what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the last one I have from the fans is, what's your most prized Disney pieces you've ever done? Ah, good question, good question. You know, you would think it would be the first piece that I did for Disney. Disney, uh, which was the Hatbox Ghost from the Haunted Mansion, but my my favorite piece that I did for Disney is um, the bellhop from the Tower of Terror. Um, it the first time I went on that attraction, I was entranced by the the layers of detail. Um, 
that that the Imagineers put into that attraction, uh, how you get completely um, bathed in it, you know, and and I've always had a little pension for the macabre. Uh, a lot of my even my Disney art is dark Disney, you know. Um, a lot I, I, when I when I when I create for fun, uh, a lot of it is dark art, you know, Halloween related type of stuff, you know, ghosts and whatnot. I love that, and and this and this piece is very much that way, and uh, I, that's the most proud piece. I, you know, again, you know, you rewind the clock. 1998 was the first time I visited Walt Disney World, and you know, I'm walking around this place and I went on that attraction the Tower of Terror and I loved it you know and you walk out through the gift shop and never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I would create a piece based on that attraction not only that but now I got I go on that attraction and I walk out and I walk through the gift shop and there front and center is my artwork I am part of the Disney legacy are you kidding me so yeah that's my favorite piece I think that's that's so that's so that's one of my favorite attractions. I love it. You know, every Imagineer had to watch every episode twice, mm. and they had such an attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Even whenever you're finished with the ride and about to leave, just the little trinkets and parts of the shows that are just sitting off in the side, you can barely see them, but they're still yes. there. It's yes. such amazing detail. Yes. And it's great that you got to work on one of my favorite attractions, one of yours. And so, where can the listeners find your art in the parks online yeah that's thank you for that's a great question um the main stop is kevinjohn.com kevin-john.com we just rebuilt the website once again i think this is kevinjohn.com 5.0 now <laughs> um and from there you'll be able to see uh my what, what, what we call off-brand art um you'll be able to see my sports art um you know i own, I own a, a lifestyle company called legend cove trading company and that is um a company all based on my uh caribbean pirate type art um it's apparel and caribbean coffee and everything but it's all emblazoned with my art um and then there's a launching page there as well for my disney art now disney owns all of my disney art um so i can't i don't sell that directly however there's a launching page there that will take you directly to a disney site where you can buy kevin john disney art yeah, I was checking it out. It actually sends you right to the my or the Shop Disney app. Yes, yes. And and then can we find it in the parks? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the website again, if I didn't, Kevin-John.com. Uh, but as far as in the parks, uh, it's very um, oftentimes attraction or park specific. Yeah. Um, for instance, you're you're not going to find um, my. Epcot figment piece uh, uh, over at the Magic Kingdom. So if you if you look in the Disney art galleries, uh, ask for Kevin John Disney art. They'll show you what they have. A lot of the gift shops have Kevin John Disney art, and um, it's all very specific to those. Like the Tower of Terror piece in the in the attraction itself. You know, in that gift shop, you're going to find uh, that piece. So it's uh, it, it's you go over to uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, you're going to find yeah. my Pirates of the Caribbean. Piece I know, there. and now that I think about it, I just rode some of these attractions and did see them right there. And mm-hmm. I mean, I never have seen them before. At least I don't remember them until they're front and center. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'm I'm kind of the only guy doing this. Um, I'm I am Disney's guy to represent the parks in art. Amazing. And it, I know, it blows my. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so silly. It's so silly that 
that I'm that guy. You know, how, how did we get here? Yeah. How, did, how the heck did we get here? But it, it is, yeah, five years ago you would have walked through and there wouldn't have been a lot of art, if no, any, no. traction-wise in there, not, nothing. And now you come off of a ride and there's Kevin John's art there. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, people yeah. love it. I know all Thank over you. Instagram, Twitter, they're so interested to, to hear this. Yeah, Pinterest, they're interested to hear this interview. And Master Disney Master Artist Kevin John, thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you so much. This was an honor. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be here in this place if it weren't for folks like you. It wouldn't. I wouldn't be in this place if it weren't for those thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that have bought my artwork over the last 31 years. Um, I owe a debt uh, that I'll never be able to repay. Um, so thank you for this opportunity to be able to talk to those folks. Absolutely. So last thing I want to get to is where we can find you on social media. Oh, that's great. Again, kevin-john.com. Go to that and you can link directly to all my social media right, right from there. You can sign up for my blog and... Uh, all that kind of stuff. Social media is fun. We do uh, Fan Reward Wednesdays almost every Wednesday where we do pro promos and giveaways and stuff like that. I, like I said, I love my fans. I value them more than anything, and we try and treat them uh, uh, really, really good. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. Thanks a lot for this Thank interview, you. and we'll uh, hopefully see you next year. I am honored. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Michael Pitcher for the show music, other music by the Disney Company. Don't forget to like the show on Facebook, join the Facebook group page by sending a request, follow on Twitter at OLS underscore podcast, follow me on Instagram at Rich Stork or Joey's at The Disney Hack. Email us at onelittlesparkpodcast at gmail.com. For show notes, pictures, and more, check out onelittlesparkpodcast.com. This has been a Dreamport production show. Thanks for listening this week, and just remember, tomorrow is just a dream away.